0: All right. Well, hey, that was our sermon for this Sunday. Thank you, everyone. Um, no, that was fantastic. I love hearing the stories of, of our students and um, and just the time that we got to spend up at Hume Lake. It was so incredible to just be up there and to worship together uh, and to spend such just quality time with our students to kind of just escape um, from the day-to-day uh, rat race, from uh, whether it's school, whether it's work, and um, whatever responsibilities, uh, we were able to leave that behind for a week, uh, have no cell service, and it was so great, um, didn't have to answer any emails, um, but uh, we just got to, to escape and, and just really feel God's presence up there away from distractions, and the goal with camp Uh, is not to have this one super spiritual week where we're on fire for God and then wait until that week comes again next year, Uh, but to be able to hear the voice of God up at camp uh, so that we can recognize it more clearly when we come back home and and we have all these distractions. And so um, I had the privilege of being with our high school guys this, this summer, um and one of the things that really stood out was our our chapel times uh actually uh just about everyone in that video mentioned how amazing uh the speakers were uh how in-depth we got to go in our cabin times and things like that um there was there's something weird that happened uh when we were up at camp and and we're, we're kind of standing there and we're worshiping together uh and i'm starting to notice this pattern uh, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm, I'm working on this, this sermon on, on Psalm 96, um, and we'll get into the passage in just a minute here. Um, but I was looking around at, at these students. There's probably a 1,000 students in, in their chapel, um, 1,100 people, including counselors and youth pastors. And I'm noticing that really people are only getting into worship when the drums are playing loud, or when we are singing the bridge of the song, or uh, we are just all worshiping uh, loudly. There is a loud volume and vibrato to the room. And I noticed that when we take a step back and, and we're, we're singing songs that are a little more toned down and a little more reflective, uh, there's more students who are talking off to, to the side and uh, making jokes with their friends or or just generally looking bored. Um, and it made me so sad uh, just sitting there in, in the chapel in this time that we are supposed to be worshiping God to see that people just aren't interested. And I see this with students and counselors and youth pastors alike, and it makes me wonder, why, why did you come up to camp if, if this is not the time that you're going to spend worshiping God when we're in chapel? And, uh, and I began to, to think and pray about this, and, and I began to notice some patterns. Um, and I actually found this internet meme. Uh, that I saw a few months ago that I'm going to share with you, uh, and I'll explain it, um, but I feel like kind of tongue-in-cheek, it really uh, examines what sometimes happens when we have gone a little complacent in our time of worship, um, and so uh, again, we're talking about authentic worship today, um, and so I want to show this this meme um, up on the screen, um, that one there, it's a little hard to read, um, and so I'll explain it. Uh, basically, uh, the, the internet looking outside into the Christian world has determined that there are several levels of how into worship you are. Um, and so if you are kind of a rookie level worshiper, there's a couple of postures you might take. You might have your hands in your pockets and you might do a little elbow flap here. Um, there's the, the carry the TV, right? I've seen a a lot of this. Um, And then uh, maybe go big screen, right? You have a widescreen TV. Um, On our uh, intermediate levels, right, there's the, my fish was this big. Uh, There is the, can you hold my baby? Um, And the Mufasa, um, which real Lion King fans will know that it was actually Rafiki who held up Simba during that scene. Uh, Mufasa was the one who goes, Simba! Um, I really love that portion of the movie. But, okay, uh, we have the, the, the Lion King pose. Um, once we get into our pro-level worshippers, right, these are people who have been coming to church a long time, uh, we have the uh, dueling light bulbs, right, if there's two bulbs you need to fix at the same time, um, as well as uh, the goal posts, right, and the heartburn. If you ate a particularly bad burrito this morning. Um, and then we have some one-handed poses. We have the pointer. Uh, we have the hatchet. And we have the school room. Can I go to the bathroom, please? Um, and then finally, our, our lowest level, we have the, the expert level, right? We have the, the village people, right? The Y-M-C-A, all right, Y. Um, we have the Rocky Balboa, right, ascending the steps. Um, and, of course, we have the touchdown for you sports fans. Um, and so kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek, these are some of the poses that, that we take, uh, when we are worshiping, um, and this is all fun, uh, and it's, it's good to have a laugh about it, but I, I, what I really love about Christian memes, specifically, is that there's always kind of this kernel of truth to them, uh, and it's fun to laugh at, but also, like, it's like a ha-ha, hmm, Um, And it kind of gets you thinking about it a little bit. And I was thinking about, uh, like, for instance, if if you're at work and you're giving a pitch to some board or or your boss or something like that, your body language actually speaks volumes about how much you care about what you're talking about. And so if we are worshiping God and we have our hands in our pockets and we're doing the elbow flap and we're kind of closed off, what does that say to people who are maybe coming into our church for the first time this Sunday? But uh, as we open up our our posture and we are uh, more vulnerable with our body language, what does that then speak about how we worship our God and who God is? And so today we are going to talk about the way that we worship and how the way that we worship shows who god is if you're joining us for the first time um, or you've, you've been coming to fcc and checking the church out and you you have some questions um, this message is not totally directed at you uh, you can sit back you can sip your coffee uh, and there um, are some things that i hope you find along the way because we're going to be discussing uh, a little bit about the identity of god and so i hope that that you pick up on that um, and you hear some of these things that we're going to talk about Um, But this message is is for the people uh, who call FCC their home, uh, primarily, and we're going to talk about the way that we worship here as a congregation. Uh, And we want, like like Pastor Eric said, we want to be a church that worships authentically, and we're going to talk about what that means in the context of Psalm 96. So we're going to jump into the text here, um, and we'll put it on the screen. there's a couple of things, a couple of background pieces that I quickly want to give you uh, before we dive all the way in. Psalm 96 is in the fourth of five sections of the book of Psalms. Uh, If you were here when Pastor Will spoke uh, and introduced this series, uh, he told us uh, and explained to us how the uh, the five sections of Psalm uh, actually uh, mimic and mirror uh, the five uh, first books of the Bible. And so uh, this psalm falls into the fourth category, which mimics the book of Numbers. And without doing a whole different sermon on the book of Numbers, uh, some background that you need to know is that the Israelites at this time, they have, uh, they have completed their exodus from Egypt, and they are actually rebelling against God in this season. Um, and they have forgotten what God has done in their life. And they are grumbling and groaning and saying, ah, we want to go back to Egypt, Um, and we were taken care of there. Um, And they are blind to how God is continuing to work and move in their lives as they are moving towards the promised land. And so King David writes this psalm, uh, many many years later, as, the, uh, as Israel is an established nation, and they're actually bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which houses the Spirit of God, into Jerusalem, and King David is is calling back to this time in the Book of Numbers, uh, where he's saying, "Hey, remember when our ancestors they turned away from God, and then like a whole bunch of people couldn't come into the Promised Land because they'd rather go fight venomous snakes in the wilderness? That was dumb." Um, like, can, can we remember who God is and what he has done for our nation? And so there's, there's all this great context to this passage before we even start to read it. Um, but as, as we look at this passage, uh, many, many psalms are turned into hymns, and hymns become worship songs that we, we sing today, um, where we in the, uh, the English language, when we are talking about poetry, we often think about rhyming and we, we can remember uh, poetry and songs easily because they, uh, they rhyme, and we are able to, to bring in uh, that, uh, that rhyme scheme into our minds, and it is easier to remember. Uh, the Hebrew language works a little bit different. There's not so much rhyming when it's translated, but these are songs that King David uh, would write. Um, and this Psalm in particular um, has a lot of repetition in it because repetition, if you wanna think about it this way, uh, is very similar to uh, rhyming in the English language. And so this uh, was a, uh, a song, right? David dropped his, his track. And he said, this is the song that we are going to sing uh, to make sure that we remember who God is. And it would be so cool to live in that time, be like, yo, King David just dropped a new hymn. That's so dope. Um, but uh, we're going to dive in here. And I've divided this uh, very, very intently. Um, we're going to look at three different sections of this psalm. There's, there's two overall things that I want to talk about. And these first three verses uh, kind of give us an introduction into what we are going to see in the rest of the psalm. So, verse 1 of Psalm 96 says this Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. There's that repetition. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all people. And so I've highlighted specific portions here to show some repetition or just some colorful language that I feel like is important to draw our attention to this Sunday. And so uh, basically verse 1 to 3 it says, hey, like we are going to be singing to the Lord a new song. Uh, we are going to not forget who God is because we are going to continue to sing to Him and every single day our, heart, our hearts are going to cry out a new song to God. We're going to praise his name, proclaim his salvation. We're not going to forget what he has done. And while we're up at Hume Lake, we kind of address these these two questions that I feel like it's very important to bring back, important enough to to include and kind of uh, become the framework for for what we're talking about today. Uh, We're going to address two questions, and the first of which is, who is God? If we are going to be authentically worshiping God, it kind of helps to know who he is, wouldn't you think? Yeah? No? Yeah? Yeah, right? It makes sense. This is not a trick question, um, right? If, if you are worshiping someone, if we're singing praise to him, it kind of helps to know who he is. So who is God? Uh, we're gonna look at the, the next few verses here, and we're going to see if we can answer this question. But as, as I'm speaking, if you're taking notes, I'd like you to write down this question, who is God? And I'd like you to write down what you think the answer is. Who is God? And as we go through these passages, we're going to explore and we're going to see who does scripture say God is. So verse 4, Psalm 96, we'll go into the section, second section here. Um, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Note the small g. For all the gods, small g, of the nations are idols, but the Lord Big L made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. And here comes some more repetition. Ascribe to the Lord, verse 7, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. These verses, I love, I love the language of the Psalms. Uh, ascribe to the Lord. This, this word ascribe, some of your translations in your Bible, it might say give. Give to the Lord. Fill in the blank. Um, however, uh, ascribe is such a great word because we, we can't actually give anything to God. Like God doesn't need anything that we have to offer if he is the creator of the universe what more could we give him right we are we are his creation but this word ascribe i feel like is more accurate here and it, it basically means to give credit where credit is due right? and so we are giving credit to god for his glory and his strength you are giving credit to the lord for glory due to his name we bring an offering. Okay, so if we, if we can't give God anything, then what are we bringing? What is this offering that we're, we're bringing? And we have, to, we have to acknowledge that, once again, this psalm is, is about worshiping God. It's about singing to God. Our worship is an offering to the Lord. The way that we worship shows who God is. And so the, the offering that we're bringing is vulnerability, authenticity when we worship. As we come into his course, into his presence, as we come into the presence of God, the least that we can do is be vulnerable and authentic with him. We're not checking our watches, we're not uh, making mental notes about how many bridges this song has has repeated, uh, or how the guitar might be out of tune. Don't worry, Ty, you were awesome. It was in tune, I loved it. right? We are worshiping the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And I feel like sometimes we, we kind of gloss over the, uh, the poetic words of the Psalms, like, yeah, no, that sounds great. That's awesome. But no, like, this is scripture. This is important. Like, this is the posture by which we worship. We tremble before him. And I think of trembling. I think of, like, this scared kitten who's out in the rain and is cold, and is like, please, just bring me inside. Um, and it's vulnerable, and, and we, we need to pick up this, this scared kitten uh, very carefully, because they have claws. and we, we wrap it in a blanket, and we bring it inside. And there's, there's nothing really that this kitten can offer us, all right? But we bring it inside, we dry it off, and we take care of it, and it's, it's trembling, because it's in awe, it's scared. And we are that kitten to God. All right, if we believe that God deserves glory and strength due to his name, this trembling, it's a sense of vulnerability, a sense of, I can give nothing to you but my thanks and my praise. So, as we talk about coming into God's courts, into his presence, God is king. That is who God is. He is ruler and creator of all things, and and we'll go a little bit more into this, but but God is king, dot, dot, dot. And so we approach our second question. If God is king, why should I care? And this is the second question that I'd like you to write down if you're taking notes. God is king, that's great. You know what, creator of all things, yeah, all-powerful, awesome. Cool, I will uh, take that home, put it in my back pocket, and I will go to work on Monday and continue to live my life. I love that they challenged our students with this at Hume Lake. We talked about what truth is. And like Hillary said in, in our uh, Hume update, Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, it's awesome that we, we get to know that, that God is king and, and creator of all things, but why should I care? Like, that's great. But what impact does that have on my life? Like, so what? Awesome. He's up there. He's doing his thing. We're down here doing our thing. Why should I care? And so let's look at the rest of Psalm 96 to explore what King David says about this in the context of worship. Verse 10 is such a great transition between these two questions. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. He's king. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Equity is such another great word, um, just like a scribe. When we talk about someone having equity, it's fairness, it's justice, it's righteousness. It is perfect and whole and complete. Um, there, is, there is left and there is right. Um, and Everyone has their place, right? He will judge the people with fairness, equity. So verse 11, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. We're, we're, we're circling back to this, this posture of, of worship. Uh, if we, the earth, are to be glad, we are not just worshiping here at Fremont Community Church or online at home. We are worshiping along with all of creation. And that should make us tremble at how spectacular God is, because not only should we be glad, not only should we be worshiping God, but the heavens are rejoicing alongside us. The sea is resounding, it roars with praise for God, the fields are jubilant, and the forest is singing for joy. All of creation is singing to God, and we are humbly joining alongside it. So this passage closes with verse 13. Let all of creation rejoice before the Lord. Why? Why should I care? For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. So God is king, but why should I care? Because God is also judge. And He is coming. If, if we are worshiping together as a church and worshiping God, do we truly believe that he is coming back? That everything that is written in the scriptures is true? That God has been working the entire time from, from creation to the book of Numbers uh, to David's Psalms to now Jesus coming and, and dying on the cross for our sins? And Coming to the church today, do we believe that Jesus is going to come back and that he is going to be a righteous judge? That's why we care, because God is king and also judge. Verse 13, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And I just want to camp there for just a minute. This idea of righteousness well okay if 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 god is is coming and and we believe as as christians if we believe the bible is true right then we believe that jesus is coming and he and we believe that he's going to judge the world in righteousness and what does that mean what does that look like well luckily god gave us scripture and scripture is, is the road map that we can follow for godly living. It, it guides us back to God because we have all screwed up, but we're never too screwed up that God cannot draw us back in. And So he, he gives us scripture. This is, this is why something that, that seems as mundane as the book of Numbers is so important. Because even in the book of Numbers, It's about organizing the nation of Israel so that they can be surrounded in the... the, drawn back into the presence of God. Everything surrounded the the tabernacle, the the temple, their tent that they held the Ark of the Covenant in so that everyone could draw close to God. I I love to think about God's righteousness in the metaphor of, of marriage because God uses this metaphor... Jesus uses this metaphor. Adam and Eve, the, the first people, uh, were the first married couple as well. And as, as we look at righteousness, it's great. Okay, we, we have our, our set of, of guidelines for godly living that will help us draw close to God, but his faithfulness. We talk about worshiping God, preaching the word in truth, and in love very frequently this righteousness that we're talking about. This is the truth of God. He is fair. He will judge with equity. And his faithfulness is his love. And if, if my wife and I have uh, a great distance between us, hypothetically, and my wife writes me a love letter, and she talks about how much she, she misses me, and she, and she asks me uh, to, to remain faithful despite this distance in in that um, she is remaining faithful as well. If I love my wife, then I am going to pour over this letter. I'm going to read and reread. I'm going to check the back of the page to see if there, there happened to be new text that showed up. I'm just going to continue to abide and soak in every single word. Because I love my wife. And when I see my wife again in this hypothetical situation, I want to be able to, to come to her and say, hey, I was faithful. Everything that you asked me to do in this letter, I did it. And you you can trust me. You can have faith in me that I'm doing my best to follow everything that you've asked me to do. And God is the same way. Yeah, the Bible is is a is a a guidebook for for drawing closer to him and living a life of righteousness. But the Bible is also God's love letter to you. And we we start so far back with Adam and Eve and the the nation of Israel and and moving all the way down until we finally get to the church. Whenever you see the word Gentile in scripture, that just means someone who is not in the nation of Israel. It's talking about us when we talk about uh, Jesus sending everyone out to go spread the gospel to the nations. We are a part of those nations that were not initially part of the Old Testament. But as the church expanded and grew and Christianity came to America and and we settled here and, and built churches, we are a part of this. We are recipients of this love letter from God. And what God is asking us to do is to be faithful. And so if someone is, is walking in here to FCC or, or joining us online for the first time, what does the way that we're worshiping say about who God is? Does it say that God is king and God is judge? Or does it say, I could care less? This, this psalm has such beautiful language in it. And I'm going to invite the band to come back up as, as I'm wrapping up here. But there's several things, several attributes about God that I want us to focus on. And I want us, in, in the context of knowing that God is king and he is the righteous judge, here are some things that I want us to focus on as we go back into a time of vulnerable, authentic worship. God gives us salvation. This is, this is all from, from Psalm 96, by the way. There's, there's so much more in Scripture uh, that we could talk about, but we would be here for hours on end. But just from Psalm 96, what King David writes about God. God gives salvation. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. God gives it freely. God does marvelous deeds he's worked in our lives God made the heavens and when when David says in in this psalm that he made the heavens there's there's a couple of different things that this could mean translating from from Hebrew to English it could mean the sky it could mean space it could mean the literal heavens I believe that that in this context David is saying wow look at these stars Look at the space. Look at everything that we can see with the naked eye. Isn't this incredible? God made this, He made everything. God has splendor and majesty, He has strength and glory and holiness. God reigns as King. He has, He is, He always will be. And He judges with equity, fairness, righteousness. So in response, when we worship, we should sing praise to him because he has moved, he is moving, he will move. We should declare this to the nations. We should be so open and vulnerable with our worship that someone walks in off the street and says, wow, who are these people and who is this God that they are worshiping? We should ascribe to God his attributes because there's nothing that we can give, but we can give him credit where credit is due. And in response to all that he has done, we can aim to live righteous lives according to his word. And we can come vulnerably and humbly and return his faithfulness because God has written you a love letter. And all he's asking is for you to love him He's drawing you in and he wants to be in a relationship with you because he loves you. Let's pray. Dear heavenly father, let's lay everything down. No more games, no more running. We're here, and we're here this morning for a reason. You have brought us here this morning so that we can know who you are. God, you are King and you are judge. Who you are is of the utmost importance. God, and we are so small compared to you when we look up and see the stars and can't even comprehend how far it goes. God, we come before you humbly today to worship you and to bring you praise with whatever baggage we've brought with us, God. You have been working the entire time, even if we haven't been able to see it. So God, we, we gather here together as your church this morning to abide in your presence and offer you humble authentic worship as thanks and praise for all that you have done it's in your name we pray amen